0: Hey there, we're Those Sci-Fi Guys, and this is that Those Sci-Fi Guys show. Just two working dudes with way different jobs, different lives, but a lot of love for science fiction and the fun that comes with it. We're your hosts, I'm P.S. McKay, coming to you from underwater where my neighborhood was recently hit by an atmospheric river and
1: I forgot to get my swimsuit out of storage. Hey, and I'm D.T. Cabman, and hopefully it's it's squashed (laughs) the fires that you guys have been dealing with. You take the good, you take the bad. Uh, <laughs> Look, this isn't the facts of life, my friend. No, it's that being not. That said, but... that was quite the monsoon that was on Monday night football last
2: night. <laughs> yes, oh, it was. Oh my
1: God! Or no, we... was it? it was Sunday night football on Sunday night. That's yeah, it Sunday was. night, dude. That was. Uh, it was. That was, it was quite the weather system. Let me tell
0: you, yesterday. So it started, I didn't get hit with it until usually, so anything that happens on the coast. It's
1: always about you, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Duh.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So anything that happens on the coast happens about 12 to 18 hours later here, where I am. um, At this undisclosed location in California. Um, Anyway, it started raining at about 4 a.m., and then I woke up yesterday morning to a very dark house. Mm. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> what Something's did you do different. wrong? <laughs> Something's different. And I'm like, wait a minute. Did I pay the utility bill? I did. I did. I know I did. Because <laughs> I'm looking at my phone and the Wi-Fi isn't connecting. I'm like, what the hell? Because I turn off the cell phone part I... of, my, uh, of my phone when I'm at home. Which is all the time now. Um, so, power was out and it was out for. It was out. It went out around 6 a.m. No, 5 30. And it was out for five hours. So, I'm sitting here. I work from home now and I can't log in to crap. <laughs> so so much for going paperless. Oh my god, it was it was interesting, let me just say. Um so but it, like oh, the whole town, the, the the whole city just like it, parts of it were out all at different times and it was just rain. That's all it was. It wasn't even wind. It was just rain. We got an inch and a half by the way, which, you know, if you live in Texas is not a lot. <laughs>
1: Dude, we don't make me tell you about all the people we lost in floods because of uh, the the, wa- the water table not being able to handle these flash rainstorms we'd get in Central Texas.
0: Oh, uh, I, I mean, you went ahead and turned it dark. All I'm saying is, I was referring to the central, <laughs> the central floods in Texas, or the flash well, floods.
1: Well, most Texas. definitely, you already started with dark. You didn't pay your power.
0: <laughs> I did. I did. So, but, you know, it's just so weird that it's just growing up in New England, we would deal with blizzards and that would turn out the power sometimes, you know, not all the time.
1: Dude, we missed almost a week of school when we were in middle school.
0: Um, refresh my memory on it was that like one. Early,
1: it was like 92 or 93. It was a huge blizzard. It was like second only to the blizzard of seventy eight until, I don't know, about five oh, six years ago. I remember
0: we got they... over, we got over a hundred inches of snow that season too.
1: Yeah, but it was like a we missed like three straight days of school.
0: <laughs> maybe, maybe. Then there was the blizzard of ninety six. Oh no, ninety seven. The April first blizzard of ninety seven.
1: I remember that.
0: And we were out of school then for like two or three days.
1: Well, yeah, because we don't put all shit away.
2: <laughs> it was April,
1: dude. I mean, we might get the occasional flurry in early April just because, yeah. the yeah. pil- because the Puritans thought that purging themselves with unpredictable and frigid weather was a good way to clean themselves <laughs> of sin.
0: Yes. Yes, and, and and I remember distinctly that blizzard, our neighborhood was cut off from civilization. Because our neighborhood, our neighborhood had one road through, and at both ends of the road, trees had fallen on either side.
1: Yeah. Blocking we, off. We, we blocking were left off. off the map of the town for a while, dude. <laughs> we, we, we were.
2: were. I, yes. I
1: remember looking at, like, the in the schools, you know, it was like, here's the, it's like, our entire neighborhood's off.
0: Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> and She's we're close? using...
0: We're using our gas stove to try to heat the the kitchen and we have a fire going in the fireplace and, and just
2: <laughs>
0: Yeah. Good time. That was that was a good time. Have you noticed and We'll get to you in a second, but we've all agreed this is about me. Um <laughs> Have you noticed that weather news has become more sensational?
1: It's Jim Cantore's fault. Uh, explain that one, please. He's the weather guy from Weather Channel. Every time he shows up, oh. you know your place is about to get wrecked.
0: Yes. Okay. Yes. I would agree that with that. If you that guy,
1: it's already time to go.
0: <laughs> you might as well just preserve your will in a plastic bag and hope someone finds it. Yeah. Put write your social security number on your arm, but
1: add <laughs> it on there and put your you know. Put your will in loose sight. That's generally what it is. But but think about it. Think about it. So this last week, we had what was called
0: an atmospheric river blow through California and the West Coast. An atmospheric river.
1: which is you know nothing what it used. means? Even meteorologists have become narcissistic assholes.
0: Yes. And then, like, think about this. The polar vortex. We never heard about a polar vortex until, like, five years ago.
1: How many no, times yeah, the polar vortex? It. I think it was a dessert at Friendlies. Okay. Yes, maybe.
0: <laughs> Stop shitting on my point. <laughs> that's what I do. But we got we got the polar Vortexes and, and and oh oh the cyclonic bomb. That one was that's a new one that we were that's hit by that one freak. too. Yeah, it is. You you drink it with the Moscow Mule
1: can or whatever it is. <laughs> I do like those. I do like a good Moscow mule. It's a little too late for me to to have that much sugar, though. (laughs) I've actually
0: never had one.
1: It's delicious. Hmm. Better if you make them your own, but you can get the canned versions that are pretty decent.
2: All right.
1: I'll have to look into it, but.
0: My point is weather, weather phenomenon has become more sensationalized with these bombastic adjectives or these bombastic um, pronouns
1: or whatever. Hey, look, I mean, it's, it was they've been naming these things for years and more and more El Nino, La Nina.
0: Yeah, we never heard about El Nino or La Nina until 1997. That was not a thing.
1: Yeah, I think that's when the Weather Channel came on.
0: Yeah, you're right You're absolutely right
1: You know, you used to have to look out the window Look at the newspaper forecast Or wait till the (laughs) weatherman came on TV And told you what was going to go on
0: Oh, nothing was better than waking up at 5.30 And turning on that local access channel With just the graphic cards that would sweep by
1: Or or Uh, having your
0: clock radio go off Yeah (laughs) Here are the school closings Foster Gloucester, every goddamn time. That's because we were getting most of the Providence stations, dude. <laughs> every goddamn time, Foster Gloucester
1: closed. It goes through all the Rhode Island schools and then yep. like the seven or eight towns that border Rhode Island near us. Yep. That's all.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. But yeah, nothing better than seeing that title card or hearing that and you're like, I'm going to bed.
1: But like, if you, you listen to a Massachusetts whether you should shower station, or not. they listen to the Massachusetts station, they'd say, your... and Rhode Island is closed. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and Rhode Island is closed.
1: <laughs> Sorry. not sure if I get should be offended by, today. by that. The state's closed. <laughs> All I was born in Rhode Island. Went to Connecticut. They're done.
0: I was born in Rhode Island. I'm not sure if I should be offended by that or not, but... <laughs> Anyway, so how's what's new kicks with you? Now that I got that out of my system.
1: No, system. I went, went to visit some family last week. It was mm-hmm. good. Got to see a lot of family. You, you know the neighborhood we grew up in.
0: Yep. It might as well be Mary Berry. I like I said,
1: yeah, right. I decided I'm going to go out for a walk. Can't get out of the circle without being my <laughs> three separate sets of families. <laughs> My dad had gone out to the gym, came back, and almost an hour later, he's like, oh, just coming back from your walk? No, I couldn't get out of the driveway. (laughs) The neighbors came out. I hadn't been home in three years.
0: uh, Oh, Jesus. um, Yeah, and with your near-death experience, I'm sure they all want to, like, you know, appreciate you. So.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, uh, it happens, but. Yeah, you know, every
0: night death experience does that,
1: yes. Sometimes near-life experiences do that.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I almost got out of bed today.
0: Yeah, I almost got out of bed today.
1: <laughs> That's had a near-life experience, I almost got off the couch.
0: Yeah, yeah, there it is. <laughs> I look forward to those days. <laughs> I my friend. I almost got out of bed today, but I didn't. You got something very interesting to
1: discuss today, don't we? I,
0: I dare I say it might be one of the most controversial subjects that we're going to come across. And I just thought about it, and I didn't even pick out the most obvious ones <laughs> I can think of when it comes to this subject. So why don't you—it was your idea— why don't you introduce to us what we're going to be doing tonight or today or
1: well, you're
2: listening to this
0: on the way to work? I
1: I, I I thought about having some sort of witty comment here, but you know, this Danish beer is really good. <laughs> but but one of the you know a topic that's kind of been popping in my head on and off for the last couple of years has been the discussion, particularly when it comes to these major franchises um, is is Canon. You know the 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 interwoven continuity. Okay, and you've and. What is Canon what isn't Canon has changed a lot, particularly if there's been say reboots or or new directions franchises have taken, whether or not additional media from the standard TV or movies is included as canon. Some is, some isn't. And there's a lot of people who take canon very seriously. And then there's a lot of people who just don't seem to. And the problem is, is when those people are the same people who are actually writing the show. (laughs) This isn't like The Simpsons, where Bart's been in the fourth grade for 30 years, okay?
0: Yes. They're actually beyond the future episodes that they actually did. (laughs)
1: When you'll see time passing and whatnot, it's kind of hard to avoid it. You know, that's why you have. uh... And, of course, you know, that's where you also get the things like the retcons and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And, of course, comic books have been famous for doing that a lot, you know, and that's where you start getting the multiverses. I don't think it was any any reason for any physics, you know, any. Anything with uh, you know uh, physics, astrophysics, or or uh, anything like that, I, just because these guys would paint themselves into a corner, it's like, ah, uh, been doing the same thing for thirty years. Mm-hmm. Maybe we need to do something different. And then they reboot it, or they restart it, or mm-hmm. they retcon mm-hmm. it because you know that's that's fun stuff. Well, what, and, knows, I mean, I, Rex... I got to be a pretty big fan of canon um, and with some of my favorite ones. But uh, and a lot of that is because I, I kind of enjoy the interconnectivity of it. OK, particularly when it comes to Star Trek. Right.
0: I was going to say, let's talk about why we feel canon is important. So you start, you go, you started, you like the interconnectivity, which I, I think, you know, that kind of interconnectivity was the first MCU. Right. You know, but they, they still felt afraid to, to, to mesh it as much.
1: Oh yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Cause it just wasn't done.
1: You, you. Star Trek was a very early version of this. You know, you had true spinoffs, okay? Mm-hmm. And while there are others that do it more interconnected, like the MCU, it's designed to do it more because Star Trek originally was episodic. But, you know, you could tell that the in the first season of Next Generation, they would hint at it to make sure that the people who got on board with the show because they were fans of the original and enough Easter eggs and homages to the original series was there, but they needed to grow on their own. But as things go on, then you start getting, oh, there's, they got a few actors back. They're playing different roles, but you know, okay. I remember like Diana Mulder as Pulaski. She had had Mm -hmm. a couple of guest starring, you know, a couple of guest roles in the original series now she's back as a completely different character, but there's some throwback, right? Yeah, yeah. But then you start referencing referencing events, like of course, what was it, the naked time that or the naked now that referenced the naked time or vice versa? Yes.
0: This you is the very second episode of TNG. Right.
1: So that's that was a way that you know they were able to tip the hat to the old enterprise. But then they you even said
0: seeing, James T. Kirk. <laughs> I even said it
1: but then as things grow and then you start referencing the Khitomer accords with the Klingons and everything mm-hmm. and how they're no longer enemies but they're allies and then you start referencing well then Sarek shows up uh, or well actually you start with having a McCoy cameo right which you very barely
0: beginning. you would barely recognize that's McCoy
1: They disguised him so much.
0: He sounded so different. I honestly did not know that that was McCoy for years.
1: Well, and...
0: And that's because I was really young.
1: But... (laughs) You know, uh, yeah, right? So you got him, but then you have a whole episode about Sarek, right? So that's really tying it together. Then... Of course, Unification, mm-hmm. you have Spock, one of the big three who's there, and as a central focus of two episodes, you Which have...
0: Leonard Nimoy almost didn't do.
1: I know, and it. And I think Star Trek would have been far worse without it. I right. really think, well, one, it also set, sets up the whole Romulan Unification thing, that mm-hmm. they actually end up paying off in Discovery. Yeah, it actually comes up, yeah. In fact, the episode is <laughs> called Unification Part Three. Part Three,
0: was, yeah, I know. It's an interesting know. perspective. They're I'll, trying, I'll, but.
1: <laughs> I'll grant you, uh, and this is where some of my issues. Like, I think Discovery's a little. plays loose with the, the canon. You know, I mean, the whole premise and everything really seemed to fly in the face of canon. Yeah, we all know how. The technology of the 1960s and the sets that they could build in 1966 <laughs> were a lot different than 2017, plus having an established and profitable IP behind it versus, you know, something new. But it Let's... just, it, and, it, and of course, here here's a canon issue. In the original series, the Delta on the uniform was only mm-hmm. aboard the Enterprise.
0: It was only for the Enterprise.
1: Correct. Right. It was supposed to be like a... a, a
2: it was a like ship. A, had... a, and
1: it was the modern version of your ship's patches. Like yeah. you'll see on a lot of Navy vessels that, or like the NASA mission patches or even mm-hmm. Army, you know, division patches, right? Yep. That's... You're in that unit. That's your patch. That's how we that's recognize That's your identity. You. Right. So that was the logo of the Enterprise. And then when you would see on the rare occurrences where you would see other starships, they would all have different insignias. But then by the movies, everybody's wearing it. Why? Because the Enterprise is the flagship and because reasons.
0: Do you know why the reasons were?
1: Because it was the best looking one of all of them?
0: It was technically the best looking one, but that's 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 on the inside. The official reason... Was it was to formally recognize Captain Kirk's outstanding service to the fleet as he was being promoted to admiral. So all of Starfleet was going to have that Delta emblem. And this is not this is not recent canon. This was mentioned all the way back in the Star Trek encyclopedia from 1994.
1: Which we both had. We
0: both had and I bought on April 10th, 1994. So, <laughs> actually, before that, it was a few weeks before that. <laughs> of course. Of so course it, was, it was a week after first. It was a week after Journey's End came out. Uh, Journey's
1: was, End. That was one of the last episodes of season seven, right? Yeah, it was when Will Wheaton
0: went off with the Traveler.
1: Mm.
0: Or Wesley. I call him Will Wheaton. 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 Um, <laughs> Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton. So, I was thinking about canon myself. Mm-hmm. And before we go into the the abomination that is Discovery, because there's a lot that could be said that... And it's already all been said in a lot of ways, right? Um,
1: But we're not just going to talk Star Trek. I have things to talk about canon in other places, too.
0: Okay. Well, unfortunately, I only focused on Star Trek. So, I'll just bring up... But it was a very narrow-minded area of Star Trek. So well, you're, you're a, a very totally
1: narrow-minded shrink, right?
0: person. You're absolutely goddamn right. Do you talk to my shrink?
1: No. <laughs> no, you talk to my this... wife, that's right. So <laughs> I'm not sure what's what's more of an invasion of your privacy. <laughs>
0: Probably my wife. But
1: <laughs> um
0: but so here's the deal about canon for me. This is why canon is important to me because I like consistency in a narrative. All right? If if there's no consistency in a narrative, then what's the point of telling the story in the first place? Yeah. Because does the story have any value at that point if there's no everlasting repercussions beyond it? Right. You know. And 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 canon you know and, and the, the thing about canon that gets so overblown a lot of times, it's like you can't tell a story with a whole bunch of fifty years of canon behind it. I'm like BS, you can. You that's absolutely called life. can. Yes, that's called life. Like you just you just deal with it and move on and create the parameters, new parameters within the parameters you've had. Otherwise, yeah. you're being a lazy
1: writer. Right. So I've always felt that walking away from canon, particularly in an established IP, is lazy. Because it doesn't, you're not showing research. You're not showing an understanding of the IP. And I get it, you know, I do that. It's okay if there's some inconsistencies here. I can live with that, like the beaming through the shields and relics. Uh,
0: I I I I wrote that down to talk about that tonight.
1: But I you, have can an expl- you can explain. You can explain that away. Hundred year old ship, shields under strain. Same
0: phase variance with the transporter yeah. system. It can go through.
1: Yeah. Not right. a problem. I mean we, we saw, saw Phoenix, we saw it in the, the wounded right generations. Do you remember the wounded where Miles O'Brien figured out the the shield frequency of yeah. the of the Phoenix and that's how I was able to beam on so we could prevent yep. the war. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see this is the kind of nerds we are guys. <laughs> but still, it goes deep. They can, goes deep. they can do a little something here that will explain some inconsistencies here. And you'll see like Dave Filoni and John Favreau have done a great job of doing some additional canon building in Star Wars. Hell, they've even gone ahead and canonized. People from the old legends continuity. Thrawn Thrawn being one of the biggest
0: <laughs> Thrawn was the biggest one, I think.
1: Yeah, really. But, you know, and of course. I grew up reading all those Star Wars books and we'll jump franchises here. And for years, they were officially licensed and sanctioned by Lucasfilm. Mm -hmm. And then when Disney bought them and they wiped everything out. Now, I'm not saying that they had to go ahead and continue to make all the stories because all of our characters were already old and decrepit by the time Disney bought them anyway. Honestly, they, they grew in the books. You know, I mean, I think some one of the last books I read from the old continuity before Disney bought them out was something like 40 years after Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Okay. That puts the youngest of of the main characters in their 60s. So, yeah. No, but and, ba- and I always looked at it. it it's, it's okay. I get that they were able that they didn't have to tie themselves to that, that they wanted to build their own. I just didn't think they needed to like wholesale dump everything now yeah,
0: wholesale announce it that way
1: right now they you've the the real big star wars fans like feloni and favreau have gone and picked and chose things from canon and it definitely looks like they're setting up the grand admiral thron trilogy from the early mm-hmm. 90s it, there's some hints that maybe just maybe they're setting up a new version of that in all the mandalorian and its spin-offs. because in
0: the Verse, basically right let's call it the Verse, because right it's really Felony's universe now at
1: this point right and but and the movies have nothing tying, have nothing to
0: apply to this
1: well and there's there's some there's some discussion as to whether or not disney is actually kind of pushing the sequel trilogy out of established canon
0: and and that'll be, I mean, every nerd site has discussed how that, that would apply, how it wouldn't apply, how it could happen. And we, we just don't know. I will say they're probably going to do something where they just hand wave it and
1: say, well, well that's just its own story. Well, <laughs> what you can do is similar to what Marvel did with the the multiverse or what DC... Uh, TV shows did with the multiverse. Star Wars. And I, I don't know if Filoni developed it. Or if he took it from legends that I don't remember. But they established in Star Wars Rebel. The world between worlds. Yeah. Which is how Ezra rescues Ahsoka. From the fight with Vader. on such a Malek great fight. was, was, it was such it's a great, easily great won- scene. She has two of the best. Lightsaber duels in all of Star Wars. Yes, okay. yes, and she hands
0: Darth Vader his ass. Like, well, it was pretty close. Temporarily, it gets it gets close. Like he he gets knocked on his butt, but he's still formidable, and she's just buying <laughs> time.
1: He's James Earl Jones. Uh, <laughs> Plus, Matt. <Reed. laughs> but you know, the, there's been some discussion as to. Maybe, maybe they might use the world between worlds to show us a world where the the sequels didn't quite go that way.
0: If you look at the design for the promotional title card for Ahsoka, it's using the world between worlds decor.
1: Well, I mean, if, if since Filoni's doing it, he's going to follow up the (laughs) Ahsoka story from there. Uh Uh-huh. Okay, he's already following up Rebels because she's looking for Thrawn, which means she's l- looking for Ezra. Looking for Ezra. Yep. But ah, now the question is, who's more powerful? Is is she more powerful? Is Luke more powerful? Are they better than Ezra?
0: God damn it. I didn't even see where you're going. God damn, I'm so disappointed in myself.
1: It's okay. Oh. I can't claim that. It's basically a ripoff of a Norm MacDonald Saturday Night Live joke. Son of a bitch. <laughs> Number We're... one on the college charts this week is better than Ezra. Number two We're... on the charts this week, Ezra. <laughs> it is so hilariously brilliant.
0: The punchline is is basically a retelling of the of the,
1: the setup. <laughs> exactly. It is a great joke. It's a joke that I, uh, you know, that's my. <laughs> that being said, you're right. But I think, you know, and this is where multiverses and, you know, is, is been the big comic book kind of thing. I mean, we've got the mirror universe in Star Trek. Yeah, the little, that's the little fun romp where we can, that's, that's like a what if, and Lord knows there's been plenty of books for Star Trek that have had other universes not just the mirror universe show up like uh what was it uh, q what was it q squared mm-hmm. they yep. had three separate tracks yeah separate universes
0: one where jack crusher was still alive and then right um the modern one and then shoot what was the other one
1: best of both worlds one
0: Oh, the one where uh, Riker was a prisoner, a uh, uh, Romulan right. prisoner for like a yeah. decade or something, mm-hmm. or five years or something like that. Yeah, was that the best? That wasn't the best of both worlds. One
1: they had the 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 Crusher and Riker one were all the same timeline. Then they yeah. had the Prime timeline, and then they had one that was best not um, yesterday's Enterprise. Oh,
0: that's the one. It was the yesterday's Enterprise one. The
1: best of both worlds. That was from Parallels. Yep. Yes. (laughs) Parallels. Which had a whole bunch of different. Where Worf is jumping. Yeah. He's essentially jumping into a multiverse. I loved that episode. That was was so It was an interesting one.
0: That was was the one where I sat there going, oh, so there's not just one other universe that's evil. There could be others that are just different. So. But. Uh, all right. So jump on your point, and then I want to go into some some minor discussion points here. And I would I love think, to hear those. <laughs> I think I I think what I enjoy most about Star Wars and the Felony Verse is that there is a an, an actual reverence towards the source material, and There's knowing things. knowing what they're writing, and and recognizing fan demand versus versus what the fans. Need not what they want, you know, and we see that with, with, I mean, with seeing Ahsoka, uh, seeing, uh, seeing Timothy Oliphant wearing the Boba Fett gear, and it's not Boba Fett, but then we find Boba Fett, and then, and, and, um, I, I don't know, it's just, it's, it's just, it's well done, and it's, it's not. Overly serviced, and you know, but 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 it it gives it gives them a fan an opportunity to appreciate everything that they've appreciated before, and there's a new level to it now that they can go ahead and cry over. Which I didn't cry, you little bitch. But
1: they but they gave two moments that we had been waiting like thirty years to see Luke Skywalker in his prime, and Boba Fett, both yep. of them going ape out there just oh yeah straight wrecking people like yeah all you know and you'd see hints of it with Luke but you barely saw Jack of Boba Fett he had the biggest reputation and the most hardcore scenes you see from him are actually in that one piece of the fucking uh (laughs) holiday special that George Lucas doesn't hate (laughs) Boba Fett (laughs) Animated thing. Yeah, that's the only hardcore thing he did in the entire original trilogy.
2: Yep, yep.
1: And he just looked cool. He did. Shoot.
0: But yes, but, but and that's what they're doing. That's what the fans need. Versus, that's what the fans want. Mm-hmm. And what the fans needed was to see Luke Skywalker. Right. Be be in his prime and do what he does best.
1: And to start building a je- the the Jedi, he takes Grogu mm-hmm. to build the Jedi. Okay, this is this is what we've been waiting for, right?
2: Yeah,
0: absolutely. So
1: you're right. There's there's definitely some fanciers, and I and I will admit that I I get a kick out of that. That tickles me. I enjoy it. Uh, I won't lie about that. Now, I I can reach a point, you know, and I can find some minor inconsistencies okay you know glaring ones becomes a problem because like when a character acts so out of character and there's no explanation you know like oh this guy got possessed by a space demon or something like that or you know it's the evil twin from the mirror universe yeah or whatever you know the mind stone controlling people <laughs> like how Hawkeye got screwed in the original Avengers movie.
0: Well, yeah. I by mean, being yeah.
1: A, a stoned lackey for most of it. <laughs> so well, they made
0: up for it in age of Ultron. That was, that was Hawkeye's movie.
1: Yeah. He got some love and I'm looking forward to the series. Oh, hell yeah. But I can't yeah. Wait. And there, there's some inconsistencies in the, in the Marvel cinematic universe too. But they're very interconnected. They really do try. And sometimes it is hard when you have multiple people writing it because maybe not everybody has the recollection. And maybe there are some who are more beholden to canon than others.
0: And And that's all well and good. Yes, you're allowed to have missteps. It's when it's just blatantly ignored. And you can tell the difference, okay? Mm. Right. Never mind the Klingons. All right, that that is that is probably the poster child of blatantly ignoring what Star Trek aliens are.
1: Right. Well, not only that, but it also has really weird connotations when you think about the fr- you know later in the franchise,
0: like with Troy.
1: Well, Worf and Dax.
0: Oh yeah, Worf and Dax, Worf and Troy. So so here's, I have a list here of a couple things that started out as innocuous, right? But then it yeah. gets a little weird to the point where I'm wondering, what the hell are they doing here? And mm-hmm. you you, you might be able to explain this to me, okay? Go ahead. So with Star Trek, what the frack happened to the male short uniforms that were the skorts?
1: Well, the original <laughs> idea was... That it was supposed to be unisex. But to right. be honest with you, the women barely wore them after the first couple episodes anyway.
0: Well, why Why didn't Troy? Do you know the official reason why Troy didn't wear hers after the pilot? Because I always liked that. Not for the obvious reasons. I, I felt it fit her better.
1: Well, it was still Rather a than... A,
0: it, I, it was a uniform. And it was a more proper uniform than the jumpsuit that she was wearing all the time. Or the turquoise jumpsuit with the dress, the dress on it, yeah.
1: Look, I'm not going to lie and say as a teenage boy I didn't mind seeing Troy <laughs> okay in those skin-tight jumpsuits. Okay? Yes. But yes. also, I am I spent 18 years as a military officer, okay? So she's on the bridge of a starship. That ass needs to be in a uniform. <laughs> I, I'm that's not what I'm, gonna, I'm not going to as much of a jackass as Jellico was when he made her do it. <laughs> but I think that was—I think that was Marina Sirtis's suggestion to like, can we please make me look more like a professional?
0: Uh, uh, and as it should have always been, she was at, at least, least in a uniform in the pilot, which so yes, a Asha more very a, a very uniform, feminized too. version of it, but it was there, right? Right. And then they put her in this pajama. Or, you know, this leotard <laughs> for the rest of the season until season six. So that being said. I appreciate the work that they did on trying to keep the uniforms the same when DS9 coincided with first contact. OK, yeah, and I even more appreciate the uniform anyway, it's so much better. It was a superior uniform. Absolutely. I appreciate even more that Voyager didn't change their uniforms because they're on the other side of the galaxy and everything. But and and this crossed my mind as like what a 15-year-old, like they shouldn't change their uniforms. Why should they? They're not they they are across the galaxy. They've got limited resources supposedly, right? But
1: I think Waiting. once they made contact with the Alpha Quadrant They're obviously making new uniforms because they're not wearing the same old raggedy ones. I can imagine that they probably could have figured out how to once they were actually in contact with the Alpha Quadrant. And I'm not saying that this is a big sticking point because it really isn't. I I agree. Definitely, you know, for the first whatever four years or when they didn't have contact from home. Mm -hmm. that it it doesn't make sense but when they were actually able to start sending their letters back and forth yeah you know what was it through some like alien
0: through the argus array or something
1: right but
0: i can't believe i remember that holy shit
1: once you get to that (laughs) point why why the fuck can't you send a pattern right right just saying if you want to show up and impress me (laughs) <laughs> in the right. Hey, look, it, it, sometimes serving in the military is just as simple as being on time and in the right uniform. OK, <laughs> they already were going to be in trouble for not being on time.
0: Well, OK, so so speak, speak for this. But but I know,
1: I, know. I, I still agree generally and thematically makes sense, you know, and right. If they're trying to conserve their their energy to help get home faster. Got it. Changing the entire uniform, not as big of a deal as trying to get home. Okay, right. got it. I got no so, that, that, and that makes sense. But do you that, know yeah, what
0: flew me into a rage on Voyager?
1: All the terrible haircuts they made Kate Mulgrew wear. Yes.
0: The other rage, person who shits on my point. Uh <laughs> is when they switched to the same phasers that ds9 started using with the curved handle as opposed to the straight handle did you notice that
1: and they went from those weird phaser rifles to regular phaser rifles right to the 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 first contact phaser rifles You're yeah right. the phaser blasters or whatever
0: they went randomly just randomly they just suddenly had them on 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 cue. That made me fly into the ring. I'm like, you're not changing uniforms, but you're able to change these phasers. All right. So. Yeah. Which. Makes me question. Why in the hell is the Cerritos crew in a different uniform than Riker's Titan crew?
1: So I, heard... is there an
0: explanation in season two?
1: i have not heard that but i have heard uh other people talk about it and there are some there's some things that make sense the cerritos they're kind of the rear they're kind of like second tier guys right and i'm a uniform dude okay Mm -hmm. now if you want to consider and think of it this way if you want to consider the uniforms of a frontline ship like the Titan, the Enterprise E, ones who might have fought in the Dominion War as co- as combat oriented uniforms. I'm not going to be wearing my prettiest uniform to go in and in kick in doors in Iraq. Sure. But we did wear our dresser uniforms or our we had like a middle type uniform, you know, uh, mm-hmm. What we called our Class A type, where and that was when we had the blues, which were our dress uniform, and the greens, which were um, kind of like your semi-formal wear. Yep, like a suit versus a tux. And like if I went to talk to a school or something in recruiting, they might want me in one of those. Mm-hmm. If you're going to be out there doing glad handing, maybe Starfleet. Base uniform is brightly colored uniform, the way it's been the last hundred years of Star Trek, but the combat centric ones at the front at the front end, they have a more tactical uniform. I what appreciate was the reason the why they had those jumpsuits on Deep Space Nine? Well, was- okay, I can explain. I can get away with the idea
0: that space station crews. Have different uniforms than starship crews. I can even get away with the idea that a medical ship has a different uniform than the starships, right? Uh, I mean, look at look at the modern day Navy. Look at look at the 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 the, the people on a on a um, aircraft carrier on a U.S. aircraft carrier. They're all wearing different bright colors to designate their different roles on the deck. And then you have the officers doing what they do, which is nothing,
1: but
2: <laughs>
1: nice. Nice. people who live in glass houses shouldn't throw stones at people who can launch multi-million dollar ordinance. You are correct, sir.
0: <laughs> but so I can, I can understand different operational uniforms for different, for different tasks and stuff. So I, I'm willing to accept the DS, the first DS9 uniform being different from a Starship uniform, which is why we never really saw it on the Enterprise except for Star Trek Generations, right? Which, you know, all those uniforms that we saw in Star Trek Generations were Avery Brooks and Cole Meany's. <laughs> and I think the only person who had a, a custom one was Data. So, um, Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think and, and then poor, poor Frakes was wearing Avery Brooks' uniform, which was two sizes too small. So <laughs> I think it was too short.
1: Brooks was yeah. a bigger man.
0: He was a tall me. man, long man, long arms. And so he rolled up his sleeves. And I don't even know what they didn't show anything below his waist. Like.
1: <laughs> so. he, he actually was wearing Bermuda shorts the whole thing. He might have been.
0: He could have been. Look,
1: and I get it. I know they were trying to have that uniform, and that uniform that they were pr- projecting, I swear, it's, it's 90% what the Cerritos uniform is right now.
0: And I like the Cerritos uniform.
1: That's I my point. I think it's a little bit of a tip of the hat to that uniform. No,
0: it's, it's more of a tip of the hat to the, to the original series movie uniforms, or the dress uniforms for TNG.
1: No, because it's not a skirt.
0: No, it's not a skirt, but you got you got the folding and, front,
1: yeah, and I'm okay with that. I actually don't have too much, you know, and especially once I saw Riker and Company on the better ships in the old uniforms, I was like, you know what, I got it. These guys, there was an older term, <laughs> not really, wasn't really used much anymore because when we went to a more asymmetric fight where you didn't have a true front line you had people who were called remps rear echelon mofos
0: oh jeez <laughs> so those were your... those are the remps
1: so really it was just a front line guy nickname for the support dudes the dudes yeah. who without you know the people who would who if they weren't doing their job we the, the combat guy couldn't do theirs straight up all the men and women who work hard doing the supply and the uh, uh, um, admin and all that, you know, you can't, you can't go and fight the enemy without that. But no, you know, much like pilots, much like surgeons, combat folks have a tendency to get a little high on the horse with themselves. <laughs> so yeah, but, but you're right. And you, at first glance, it does it does look like a continuity error. It's supposed to take place right after um, like six months after Nemesis. Nemesis, and the entire uniform is different. It was like and then only until you see but like a the lot tight- of
0: a lot of Starfleet is wearing that same uniform. The admirals are
1: wearing something similar and and maybe. Starfleet is trying to go back to the pre-combat mindset that they were in. Uh. Okay,
0: this, this okay, I understand exactly where you're going, and and we are, you and I both are realizing we're going down a deep rabbit hole that doesn't necessarily need to be explored because yes. it requires so much explanation. I'll just say this one point. This this one point when you're talking about Starfleet's not trying to get outside of its combat uh, readiness uh, mode or whatever it is. I never believed that Starfleet was a non-combative force. Which which I don't know, for some reason, a lot of people thought it was. And Starfleet always served as like a Navy. They always served as the front line. So um, come at me, bro. (laughs) <laughs> anyone who disagrees with me that that Starfleet is a Navy analog. So well,
1: that that's an entirely separate uh, discussion, which I'm very happy to get in on because you know, some of my opinions, okay. but you know, it did look like a cannon glitch for a while. Yeah. Now, like they said, you, you're seeing the difference between the haves and the have nots. The haves have the cooler looking ships and the cooler looking uniforms. The have-nots have what looks like an older generation ship, an older generation uniform, which is, I think, kind of the point they're making with that. But it did look like it at first. I'm like, I thought this was supposed to take place. What? Why, is, why do they look so different? Yeah. But, and then you have, you'll have continuity errors and... I've, as you've heard me, I'm a fan of canon. I like canon. It it appeals to me because I'm a story guy. I'm a history guy. Mm-hmm. I like history. When there are inconsistencies in history, you know, there is only one truth. Right. You no, know, there's only one thing that happened. That there are different perspectives and whatnot, but you're not going to change the laws of physics. Correct. To quote Montgomery Scott. You cannot you change, change the laws of physics. <laughs> and, and
0: there is no such thing as my truth.
1: So. <laughs> right. so when people disregard Canon, look, it's, it's a little bit, I mean, there was some people who said, oh yeah, during end game, some of the rules of Mjolnir were a little off. And no,
0: they the screenwriters come
1: out and they're like, yeah, we kind of goofed on that. That was on us, you know, something like that. You get you get the occasional hiccups, and the, the people who are trying will own it, yeah. you know. And you'll hear that from some of the Star Trek guys. That you can tell that somebody like, you know, one of the things that people like to talk about with Felony, and you hear it if you watch those uh, Star Wars galleries, is that he is a. Uh, you're right. He's kind of like a protector of the lore.
0: Right. And remind me, cause I want to talk to you about, uh, I want to talk to you about protector of the lore and the people who went out to it. So finish your point. I'm listening. So
1: for me, it really takes me out of a story when st- uh, a story, a TV show, a movie, even a book series that is supposed to be at least in some degree, even if it's in generally episodic, but you see growth of characters changing of time, you know, the, the passage of time when it definitely looks like people blatantly missed it. Like I said, the small ones are more forgivable to me because we all make mistakes. It can be the difference in, a storytelling style and I'm willing to have to allow a little flourish with stuff too, because sometimes yeah, it can make a better story mm-hmm. as long as it doesn't completely throw out what makes this show movie book, whatever this, this franchise out the window. Right? Correct. Correct. You know, and people, you've heard people talk about how, there's some hiccups in the nation, in the lord of the rings movies and the hobbit movies and a little bit of hiccups when it comes to of course that
0: was due to editing
1: editing but there's also and of course you'll find anything particularly when they take when they turn books into movies or tv shows particularly when you turn books into movies because you have to condense it and then they write characters that are kind of combo characters or mm. you add random things like peter jackson overstretching the Hobbit movies out and writing entire scenes and creating new characters. Like don't get mm-hmm. me wrong. I enjoyed Evangeline Lily's elf character, but she wasn't in the original movie and neither it wasn't in the original book. Legolas wasn't in it was <laughs> too much ham fisting, you know, did attempts that, you know, they overdid fan service and they crammed everything in over bloated it. Mm-hmm. I, uh, and then it kind of it, it pulls you out of canon a little bit, especially when Orlando Bloom was f- like 15 years younger than you, yeah. you know, in the Lord yep. of the Rings, which is supposed to be like 80 years before, yep. like 80 years after The Hobbit. So he
0: looks older. It's actually like 30 years before The Hobbit, uh, before, before The Lord of the Rings. Right. It, oh, shoot. How does it go? It's actually sixty years. It's yeah. sixty years before before time. Lord of the Rings,
1: right? Because it was
0: 50, thirty years of Gandalf going to Minas Tirith and researching the ring after right. after Bilbo left the uh, the the Shire. Right. It's, it's a long period
1: of time, <laughs> right. Thirty and, years. But Legolas looks a lot older, yeah, because the movies were made fifteen years after the sequels, right? So. Well that you and
0: just it. give up to time. Like I mean you you understand right. that. You understand that with those production limits and stuff. And that's
1: a character is meant to be in it.
0: Right. It, and uh, I agree with that too. I mean he never should have been in it. It's that was a complete cash grab. Oh, yeah. Which brings me to this. So you're you're looking at what is a cash grab which disrespects the 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 continuity of the original source material. Right. Lord of the Rings, a fantastic achievement in cinematography and storytelling. And it was it was loyal to what the original stories were. We all agree on that, right? Right. Hobbit not. Um, but we all know why they did it. And I think a lot of people came out and said, I don't know why we had to do that. Like, you know, the people that the people owned a lot of people owned up to the fact, I mean, what was it Peter Jackson cried the, the first day of shooting The Hobbit going, I really don't want to do this like <laughs> in front of the crew during the big meeting to, to jazz everyone up like he started crying.
1: Well, like, they really shouldn't have made it three movies. Two movies, no. you would have been able to get the entire plot of the book in. Mm-hmm. Maybe a few embellishments, some garnish. You know, if you wanted to expand the, the five page Battle of the Army to, you know, whatever a 10 page version of it is, they didn't need to make, you know, I mean, it was just it was over bloated. And I won't say that I disliked the movies, but the Lord of the Rings movies, which were long and in in depth were far superior products
0: and rewatchable yes as opposed to the hobbit which brings me to discovery oh no no i'm going to talk about uh, sg1 real fast which you don't know very Still... much about
1: no but go ahead
0: sg1 you, you saw the movie right
1: i did i enjoyed the movie
0: the movie basically sets up the premise for the entire show they change a few things Instead of it being those big black eyed aliens that take over the right. body, they're snakes. Okay, they're still and they're called the Gua Old. All right. Okay. Long and short of it, you know, the they turn they, they have the SG the SGC, the command center, be active. They create all these different air force teams that can go off world, usually a four. Um yeah, I know. It's Air Force. What are you gonna do?
2: <laughs> what are you gonna do? <laughs>
0: <laughs> so but they were very respectful to the canon of the show and the movie that they were making otherwise like it, it, it there was no real reference to what this alien was supposed to look like we only saw it in silhouette right at the end right so they just went with the snakes that could take over the brain that implant themselves in the back of the neck okay fine and they built off of that
1: a couple things there's Sounds an some alien... invasion of the body snatchers kind of thing. Very much
0: so. Very much so. Which is really well done. Um, one of the alien, one, one of the alien weapons is called Zat-Nicotel. They called them Zats. And at the very first episode that they were introduced, they're like handguns, Zat, ray guns. Um, you shoot, you shoot them once to stun them. You shoot them twice to kill them. And you shoot them three times to to vaporize them. That was the rule that was set at the very beginning. And the problem was the writers got messed up because they couldn't figure out a way around it. Because they're like, well, these people are going to get shot multiple times by these same guns. Like, or do they get shot once and then four days later they get shot a second time and they're going to die? Like, <laughs> like, they couldn't... They just decided just not to really talk about it that much after that. And just like reference like vaporizing and stuff like that. That's one. Right. They acknowledge that. They they even said that in the show. They're they're talking, the characters are saying, Well, if I get shot once, and uh, a week later, if I get shot again, am, am I dead? Then they're like, right. We don't know, but probably not. It wears off, you know, whatever. Um, and then the other thing is Death wears off. Yes. O'Neill gets implanted with the knowledge of the ancients, which ultimately is destroying his mind. Okay. And mm, he... Like
1: Cisco in, um, when he had the visions.
0: Yes, very close. It, it was actually more destructive. And what O'Neill does is he creates a program that actually adds a new Chevron to the Stargate program, where it sends him to another galaxy. Mm. And it, it, what happened was the ancient's knowledge in his brain knew that it was killing him. So he goes. They instruct him to do this, and he goes to this new planet where it's the alien Greys, right? And they're called the Asgard, and they mm, recognize Thor, that he speaks. Gotcha. Yeah, Thor. Thor is one of the aliens. Actually, he's the 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 main alien. Um, it's That's why it's called Asgard.
1: <laughs> so because the it was Greys under protective underpants.
0: No, 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 no. The Greys had been watching out for us against the Gould for generations. So, and so they were our gods, uh, you know. Anyway, I'm explaining a lot of Stargate lore in a really short amount of time. But I'm just explaining why they're they're loyal to it. Because um, O'Neill is talking to them after he gets his brain wiped and cleaned, right? And he's not going to die anymore. Mm -hmm. And Thor is talking to him going we are a member of the four races. There are us, the Asgard. He goes, oh, okay, nice to meet you. And just like that, (laughs) it's, it's tongue in cheek too. And then he goes, and then the furlings haven't met them. And then uh, the Nox met them. And then the ancients who have been gone from this, this world for many years or whatever. The first ones. Yep. The first ones. and, there's never mention of the furlings ever again. All right. Until, until about eight years later, they talk about the furlings going, yeah, yeah, we've we, we've been meaning to look into what the furlings were, haven't we? Like, oh, we just kind of forgot about them, didn't we? <laughs> well, but that's they, just that like a tongue in show. cheek about bad They writing. did that in show, but I like that. I like that. What infuriates me, is when someone is staring at me and I'm going, hey, guy, that's your truck, right? No. Well, I just saw you come in and drive in that truck, get out, drop the title with your name on it and your driver's license, and it says that this is your truck and it's a mint green metallic majestic, isn't it? That's a mint green metallic majestic, but it's not my truck. And just being told the opposite of everything that the evidence says otherwise infuriates me. Which is what CBS did to us. They did that exact thing when they refused to answer anything about the canon changes they made with Discovery. They refused Terrible. to mention Terrible. why they changed the, the aliens. They refused to mention why they made the technology so advanced in such a why they why they even went to a prequel in the first place. They didn't. They were never forthright about any of that. Any of it. And no one has been forthright since. Which is why it's so infuriating for me to be able to actually accept what discovery is. Because it's being made in an, ingen- in an ingenuous manner,
1: manner so to speak. Disingenuous.
0: A dis- uh, yes, I'm sorry. A disingenuous manner. Thank you for the correction.
1: I'm always here to correct you.
0: I know you are. Son of a bitch. Uh, But, um, actually, that's disre- disrespectful to your mother, whom I love very much. Uh, <laughs> Don't be an ass.
1: <laughs> You're right. And it, it does get frustrating because, look, Enterprise literally built a, a two-episode arc around fixing the Klingon shit, okay? Yeah. And you know what? It wasn't a bad arc. I enjoyed it. They didn't even need to do it, but they decided no, they to do it. The joke, because, the joke in Trials and Tribulations was good enough for me.
0: Yes, exactly. It's a, it's an internal issue that we don't talk about. Okay, I'm done. That's good. It's a funny joke. We all know outside it was really a technological situation. Right. Right? So they wanted to make aliens that looked – Klingons that looked better on the big screen, and there you go. All right, I get and, it. You know what? barely saw the Klingons in T- the, TOS anyway.
1: Right, and, but the Kelvins rebooted us. When they, they rebooted the Kelvins, they did a little bit more with Aliens too. They had a lot more computer-generated creatures and stuff. But they did the Klingons up, too.
0: They did. Now, they were still they, respectful.
1: They were. They were a little much for me, to be honest with you. I mean, they still should but have been. They still looked more humanoid. The Klingons from *Discoveries*, particularly the first season, uh-huh. they, I, they didn't look like Klingons at all. They didn't even really act like Klingons. Even they didn't act like the original series Klingons. And no. to be honest with you, I, they kind of treated the Klingons almost like the Romulans. In, you know, uh, they're like, oh, well, we haven't talked to the Klingons in like fifty years. I'm like,
0: yeah, that's not that no, how no, the
1: Klingons no. worked. Nope. <laughs> they, they were political schemers in, in in the original series And you know And they got back to their more warrior ways And conquest ways There was at, After first contact You know Everything else kind of led us to believe That you know The Klingons in the Fed, in Earth and then the Federation Kind of had a dicey relationship All the way up until Kittimer Yeah you know? And that was the point was, it's actually, I mean, they then the, they, then the, they go and recycle the whole, the Klingons have disappeared for like 50 years, like the, uh, like the Romulans did between the TOS movies and, and the last episode of the Next Generation's first season. Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> what I don't like is when it feels like they're, it, with the amount of technology and with the sh- much shorter seasons... For them to go and rehash something so blatantly, I just think it didn't even feel like a proper homage just because I felt like they did no. the Klingons dirty. And I know that the Klingons makeup was kind of softened a little in season two to make them just look a tad more human ish. <laughs> and I get it. I I know the whole goal was to make people look more and more alien. I mean, just look at the Tellarites between the original series, Enterprise, and there. They went from being a cartoonish piggy thing that was to a... I thought the prosthetics of the Tellarites and Enterprise were pretty good.
0: I thought so, too. And it I thought kept they did a very good being job. The
1: pig cartoon, right? Yeah. That, that they kind of tipped it out to be. And then they went full, like, Warthog in... Discovery. Mm-hmm. They got mm-hmm. tusks and and too animal. It's
0: just too animal. Like it's just, they turned all these aliens into animals, which doesn't it. That's not what we're supposed to be dealing with here.
1: Same you know? thing with the Andorians. You know they. You know, adding more and more shit to the Andorians' face. I mean, I get it. The Andorians. And the Tellerites don't have a huge backlog of history like the Klingons and the Vulcans, and at times even the Romulans. But there was enough that they were kind of laying out there. Like, and any of the Discovery era Tellarites, were any of them argumentative? Some. The only, like the, the bounty hunter was just an asshole. They didn't. Yeah, he, you're right. It
0: was more of an a hole than that. Yeah.
1: The only other one you saw was like a Starfleet admiral, and he wasn't being an argumentative prick. <laughs> that's that's what the the tellerites communicate, basically through arguments. Right. Right? Such and, a great
0: founding member to have for the
1: Federation. Well, and this is why <laughs> I would have loved to have seen a season five of Enterprise, because the next stage of more interaction with, with the founding members and maybe even getting into the Romulan War would have been awesome. But... It just seems like Discovery continuously messes with canon, right? Yes, I mean, and, and they're only
0: messing with it more to try to
1: fix it. Like <laughs> uh, At times, yes. I actually think that having Pike and Spock and what now that here's something that I am a bit concerned about with Strange New Worlds, which I do look forward to. Very much so. They have Uhura who's supposed to be a cadet, much like Tilly was a cadet on Discovery. Yeah. I can buy that, okay? She'll come up through the ranks and be a, a junior officer on the bridge. Christine Chapel mm-hmm. is going to be on there. And they have, you know, and <sighs> I mean, that would make her they kind of played her in the original series as kind of more young and naive. But she will have been on the Enterprise longer than Kirk. Yeah, you're right. Or Scotty. You know, I mean, you
0: can put that up to a personality quirk.
1: And maybe, maybe. I just thought they were reaching a little much with that one. That's just me. You know, again, there was no character growth at all of Christine Chapel. No. She was no she not. The only second dimension she had was her unrequited crush on Spock. That's it. The rest was she was the nurse. Okay, because that's what we do. Man, doctor, woman, nurse. That was the 1960s. Right? Good old days. Right. Not the good old
0: days. Not the good old days.
1: But, you know, again, when it comes to characters like that who don't have a whole lot of established roots, even Uhura doesn't really have much of a backstory. No. No.
0: No, I mean, it's 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 kind of shameful to think about when you look when you look back and you see Chekhov, Sulu, Uhura, Chapel,
2: even none of them Scotty.
0: really even Scotty, Scotty, Yeah, Scottie, uh, I, I, you're right. I mean, he's got a few comedic moments, like which probably why he stands out a little bit more. But like those outside of the Trinity, they really didn't flesh out any of
1: them. And most of McCoy's stuff was really mostly fleshed out only in the series. Yeah, you yeah. got a little bit in Star Trek V where he talked about his dad. His dad.
0: Uh, you you uh, the Salt Vampire episode where where he talks about his right.
1: But like I said, outside of the original, outside of the series, you don't get much character development for him. No, no, not at all. Not Spock at all. and Kirk got get the lion's share. Yep, which is fine. They were breakout characters, but. Scotty, you get as much out of Scotty, I swear, in Relics as you do in almost the entirety of the original series.
0: Actually, yeah, that was the deepest and Sulu and the Chekov. exploration of Scotty ever
1: have to leave the Enterprise to get anything. <laughs> Chekhov yeah. gets on the Reliant. Mm-hmm. That's that's most that's most of his growth. Yep. And then Sulu gets the Excelsior. Yep. And so you get. Star Trek six, and then you get uh, flashback, mm-hmm. and, and that's really all you get for Sulu. Uhura doesn't even get that. No. So she gets to dance on a dune naked in the silhouette. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so it's kind of nice to see her getting some character development. You know, and that's what will I will give this to the JJ universe is that they tried to give all of the original characters. Something check out. Well, they took they kind took, of a young child prodigy. It was a young yes. kid. Sulu is married Some with a kid swordsman and, and an expert swordsman. Right. McCoy Abura, divorced.
0: Uh, and all he has left is his bones, right? And we an expert, expert thing. Xenoling, uh,
1: yep. But you know, I mean, and of course, in movies, sometimes you're not going to get the same amount of character development that you'll get in a TV show, which we understand. Yeah. I mean, how much true character development do you get out of Chewbacca?
0: Oh, you got a lot out of Rogue One. I'm sorry, Solo, uh, Star More. Wars story. You got, right. you got the most. You got the most character development out of that. Oh, oh, and, and, um. The Force Awakens. When he's complaining about being shot. Like. <laughs> he's
1: complaining about being cold.
0: Oh, is it cold or shot?
1: Oh, you're cold?
0: Oh, yeah, well, yeah, you're cold. Oh, he was also shot, though, and wasn't, uh, he was shot at the, he was shot at, at Maz's cantina. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the medic's like, I'm sure that was very
1: painful for you. <laughs> Yes, right. I know. I know. <laughs> I mean, you, he gets he gets like one guest episode in the Clone Wars. He gets like a cameo in, uh, in uh, Revenge of the Sith. It's really mm-hmm. basically just so Yoda can say Chewbacca. That's it. And then, yeah. and then you get a little of him in Solo, where you find out. I mean, to be honest with you, you you get a little bit more about him in that which shall not be mentioned. <laughs> It was like the whole point of that movie was around, good old Chewie's family.
0: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> You're right.
1: <laughs> but oh, you know, um, and that that's that's where we're at when it comes to to like major characters. I mean, and and there'll be con- there'll be conflicts too, and like Solo. Which we both said we enjoyed, but it kind of seems to conflict a little bit with some of his story. You know, it 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 doesn't seem to fit as much at times with what you kind of learn a little from Harrison Ford's Han Solo and whatnot. Right. There's some things that seem a little off there.
0: Well, that the Solo movie. Let's go back to was it the fans want versus fan service. <sighs> I feel like I feel like that that movie was more fan service versus what fans
1: wanted. Well, right now, I think a lot of fans actually want a sequel because we kind of left things hanging.
0: We did. We did. And I'll I'll agree. I'll be the first one to say that I didn't want to see a solo movie. And I walk out going, I want to see solo, too. Um, But, you know, it's an interesting it's an interesting thing. Like, what is it the fans want versus what they're they're fan
1: servicing? So now. Just bottom line. And that's what I'm getting to. Bottom line, you and I both are generally pro-canon. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We've both written stories. We both like to read. We, uh, we're in the creative mindset, but I'm a history guy. So mm-hmm. what I, I look to see where the pieces fit together. So I like those. Don't get me wrong, the original series where things were kind of on to the next one, sure. It's enjoyable
0: when you take what you get,
1: right? But now when you're the next generation kind of takes it further and then Deep Space Nine links in and Voyager links in and then Enterprise links in. Okay, that makes things more meaningful. And here you go in Star Wars. Of course, it's felony. Rebels, the Bad Batch, they all kind of follow some some story arcs and stuff from the Clone Wars, right? Mm -hmm. So there's some continuity there, but you're getting small pieces of tie in with the Mandalorian to Rebels to Clone Wars. To the original trilogy, Luke Skywalker and, you know, the stuff going on. And then, of course, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, they all take in. And here's my last bit, because, you know, me, I love the Marvel Universe. Mm-hmm. I swear, I think they've done Agents of Shield and Agent Carter dirty, along with all of the the Netflix shows. Ninety percent of them were good. Yeah, and because they were not quite under the same umbrella, you know, Marvel Studios was kind of a separate thing. But Agents of Shield literally started off to be like that interconnecting piece.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: They started off after. The original Avengers, they bring Phil Coulson back to life. They tie into Thor the Dark World directly, kind of in an aftermath. But they tie directly, like the whole back half of season one, was a direct first parallel and then follow-up of of Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier, yeah. In a lot of ways, I kind of think that Winter Soldier yanked the rug out from under Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And when they were both still considered to be part of the same universe... Well, agents it kind of made had of to scramble because it blew up. Their agents of Shield, and then Shield disappears. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah, and, and then, I mean, it
0: made it made the show better, honestly.
1: Right, and the farther though we go down through the series, though, the less and less connections you get. Yeah, you get a Peggy Carter flashback. Yes, you get Lady Sif. Yes, you had Samuel Jackson in season one, but then you know you get Maria Hill once or twice later on. But after that, you know, there's just passing references to movies. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then they don't seem to really be following along where, you know, they mentioned Thanos. I think at like the end of season five or something like that. And then the last... And they don't even say his name. There's nothing going on. Yeah. Completely. And then, of course, the only other tieback you get to something else from within the same universe is when they brought Sousa back from Agent Carter... You know, but that's it. Mm-hmm. That's about the last real tie in into anything else going on elsewhere in the MCU. And I loved Agents of Shield and I loved Agent car I thought they were great shows. I was a big Agents of Shield diehard till the end, <laughs> but because they're slightly different, you know, show, you know, uh, overall runners, they got left to the side of the curb, and so yeah Canon kind of went out the window with them, and it mm-hmm. broke my heart a little bit. I was hoping for once you know and yes we got colson back in captain marvel as young colson but i would have really loved to have had an interaction with phil colson and in a much more <laughs> grounded and and uh, secure with himself steve rogers yes you no know?
0: well i think and, and i think and yes you're right that is an interesting missed opportunity but we also have to know that the storytelling for Avengers was it was Colson's death that made the Avengers possible right. so so yes, we do want that, but that's part of the tragedy of Colson's death, you know so but I agree, I agree. it would love I would love to see a, a confident cap with with Colson during Agents of Shield. that just you know, it's one of those things.
1: yeah, I mean and and of course um that uh, and that's the fan in me right because yeah. colson was the ultimate fanboy, and in many ways colson became a little bit of the fans in the original yeah. Avengers movie right he goes from having to from basically having to babysit Stark to at the very end start telling him well i'll fly him out to see your your girlfriend <laughs> yeah and then you got you know Thor him him telling Thor don't worry we've got Jane in a safe spot right mm-hmm. and then of course Barton and and Romanoff are, a- are agents so they're they're tight with him right and of course so yep. that's why his death is, of course is the is the the catalyst and it's it it, it fits the narrative yeah very well yeah. but i mean in a lot of ways he's kind of the every man the audience guy who who's there walking with these giants, right? Cuz in <laughs> yes. some ways Phil Coulson was us, right? Right. Yeah.
0: So, I think I think the big takeaway is as 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 we wrap up here. Unless there's one more thing you want to add.
1: Well, from my perspective, Canon, I think with these with these kind of interconnected IPs, I think it's important for narrative I am willing to forgive you know, some minor inconsistencies here, mm-hmm. you know, but people, you know, you watch a regular episode and if, you know, of law and order or something, and uh, you know, the lead counsel acts completely different to how he is and they do almost no character development on a law and order show, you know, very minimal that, you know, it's still, it puts, it puts you off, right? Yeah. hmm So. I mean, canon's important. I don't live and die by it, per se, as in, like, if there's some inconsistencies, yeah, I might giggle or point it out, but if it's overall innocuous or not major, then I'll let it go, you know? Particularly if maybe a small inconsistency does improve the quality of the episode. Well, if you can...
0: Here's the thing about inconsistencies versus blatant changes. Right. You can tell the difference. Right. An inconsistency is something innocuous or something where you know, like, you know, it's a one-off or something right. happens. But a blatant change is a big middle finger to the to the audience who has taken everything up until this point as, like, the Holy Bible. I don't mean to be sacrilegious or anything, but, you know, it, it, it's, it's taken as... Well, it becomes history. Yeah, like a, it's a it's a, a narrative history a, it a history, a history that lesson. we that we love to that we love right. to explore and re-examine over and over again mm-hmm. and ignoring that and blatantly changing that ultimately takes away the soul of what that show or what that that property is.
1: Yes. That's, and I agree, especially if you're establishing a canon. If you're doing something that just goes from episode, where everything resets at the end of the episode. That's why I can watch a million and five Treehouse of Horrors or Christmas episodes on The Simpsons. Right. You know, I've watched MASH. And they had a Christmas episode every year. They went 11 seasons but the war was only on for like three and a half years.
0: Yeah. Three and a half year war. Yeah. You take, yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, you take the believability, the, the believability of the, the narrative storytelling versus the respect to what the, the, the story has become so far. Mm -hmm. And if that's not taken seriously, then why should fans take it seriously? Yeah. So, I think we should end on that note, unless you want to unless you want to crap on my point one more time.
1: <laughs> well, you gotta forgive me, man. I do have I've had a little bit of a stomach issue, so I've been crapping on points all day. <laughs> Gross.
0: Okay, okay. So that's the ultimate ending. And until next time, till then, you guys keep dreaming. We'll keep working. So long,
1: folks. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you
2: on the high ground.
0: <laughs> I can't... I, where do I stop recording? Where do I stop recording? Please keep recording. Here we this. go. <laughs> cut it off. After. Those Sci-Fi Guys is an independent broadcast by Site Productions, produced by DT Kavman and P.S. McKay. Music courtesy of Kevin Cloud at incompetech.com. For more information on upcoming episodes, follow P.S. McKay on Twitter at
2: P.S. McKay, or go to ThoseSciFiGuys.com for past episode information.